On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Groupies sleep with rock stars because they want to be near someone famous. We're here because of, insert topic, we inspire, insert topic. Penny Lane would be super proud this week because Facebook's new features banned aid in culture and connection for groups. <laughs> Google Ads is rolling out my ad center for people who want their ads a little less up close and personalized. And we react live and are not sure if Elon is at all in sync with Twitter. All on today's show. Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock. Just stay tuned. Digital marketing news, but let's get specific. Digital ads, SEO, and analytics, social media, and more. Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform. New shows every Friday. We give you the news with sass and puns and definitely high takes. Thank you for tuning in. You know what time it is. It's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernhelm. AKA Shop. I'm Jess Bud. And I'm Greg Finn. And it is officially marketing o'clock here on Friday, October 28th, 2022. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another sexy baby of an episode. Greg Finn, what's new with you? Um, a lot apparently. Um, I would say new with me in case y'all. Hey, thanks for people reaching out. I think probably like ten people reached out. We're just saying very nice things to me. So I appreciate you. Everybody reached out. You can, if you want to hear more about my life, you can listen to the last episode. But I've got a lot more like super fun things that I'm doing, and one of them is something that I don't know. It's like almost becoming a problem, but not really. Pre-workout. I'm going to the gym all the time. And I'm keto now. And I just don't have like these energy bursts to actually like move a lot of weight or do whatever the the routine or whatever is. So I start taking pre-workout and you just get like unlimited energy. And it's no calories and it's just energy. It probably so, burns calories on its own, yeah? I, there are some that burn calories. You had one with me. Just a little little note, we were on Performance Enhancers a few weeks ago. <laughs> Jess had some pre-workout ahead of time. That's the one that makes you sweat. I was overthinking my facial movements. I was sweating. Yes. I was up till 4 a.m. That's a good Watching one. Watching Ozark. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to start going through and breaking down some of the pre-workouts. So it's going to be really fun because they are they – are, very different each one. Do you have one now in your cup? No, I I, I do not have it. It's this is I'm just natty today. Off the sauce. Pla- natty ice? No, natural, like the liver king. Speaking of natural, something very unnatural happened to me this morning. My alarm went off. I rolled over, saw my husband was up looking at something on his phone, and I just go, Good morning. He didn't even say good morning. He goes, I'm reading about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Your husband? My what day was husband it? today. And it's he, everyone. It's I don't I don't know. Like I have not talked about her at all this week, even though she's in my life recently. I, I don't know where it came from. And he's like telling me all this stuff. He's like, you know that the people in her high school just think that she's awful. And then she invited them to the CMAs. Oh, i TikTok. All this stuff. Yeah, he was like reading this article and he's like, everything she does is super calculated. I'm like, I know. This is not, like he was acting and, like it was news to him, but he was reading an article about this. And for listeners. At 7.30 in the morning. Her husband is like stuck in 1996. More so than me. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't know who Taylor Swift was. 
I don't know, Shep, but I just, it was a weird universe this morning. Everything it's, was off. This album is really doing something to everyone. <laughs> it's just so special. And people from just all over the community have been reaching out to me. Like, Julie Puccini <laughs> was like, Antiheroes is a really good song, I must admit. And Jess Bud said the same thing. I, I didn't realize that I had established myself as this just like the source for Taylor Swift. People came to me the night before the album release telling me they had a leaked version and asking if I wanted it. Yeah, you're wow. like an ambassador or... And I said yeah. no. Did you say no? Yes. I True fan. True fan. But I did. It came out at midnight. I went to bed at nine. Oh, take it back. <laughs> and set my alarm for midnight, woke up and listened to it and cleaned my kitchen. So what do you give it on a 10 scale? It's growing up. Like, I was really nervous. Every time I listen to the album at midnight when it first comes out, I'm like, I go to bed not knowing what I think. I should just wait until the morning. Today, I really turned a quarter and I'm like, this is maybe my number two album. It's so good. Wow. How many does she have? Two. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> this is her 10th, not including the re-releases. And last night I had like the Bejeweled music video up on the TV screen and I was showing my husband all the clues that um, Speak Now, Taylor's version is the next re-release. It's just really, there's so much information to consume. It's just a great time in my life. And you know, everything that she does is intentional. So you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. And if you're one of the people who claimed one of our free P-Min stickers, not to be confused with P-Max, it's a really good time in your life, too. AKA the same thing. <laughs> um, so we do have, if you submitted one, they are in the mail coming your way. If you haven't gotten the chance to claim one yet, just one final plug. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube. There's a form in the description. Google form. Put in your address and we'll send one out. Also, one more plug for this month's episode of The Agency Scoop with our CGO, Jill Fetcher. She is sitting down with Katie Krozik, the co-owner co -owner of 19 Ideas, which is another agency here in Buffalo. And they're talking about a lot of marketing and interior design. It's a really fun episode. In person, really good. Getting into the news this week, Google Ads is rolling out My Ad Center. So this is a place for Google users to control the kinds of ads that they see across search, YouTube, and Discover. I just laughed. Okay, so this whole article is written for people seeing Google ads, not really advertisers. But it starts out, it says, online advertising doesn't need to be confusing or out of your control. Just wait to tell how confusing I will make this. <laughs> but it's like, okay, they're, they're saying it's not confusing for like the users of the Google, users, but like yeah. it's really confusing for me. Billboards are and not confusing clients. to me. Yeah, come on. It is confusing and it is out of my control, P-Max, P-Min. I just thought that was funny and a slap in my face. Um, so in this article, they have an example from YouTube and there are three little dots next to the ad. The person in this example is clicking on it and you can choose to block the ad, report the ad. You can like the ad. How many people do you think are going to be doing that? Like my client's ads, yeah. I wonder if you can see how many people dislike an ad. <laughs> That's not an option. Get real. <laughs> Just blocking it. Um, and you can specify if you want to see more ads like this or less ads like this. From my ad center, you can also choose to turn off personalization completely. And if you set that up in my ad center, it says it will apply to ads you see on and off Google and will automatically apply on any device where you're signed into your Google account. And if you're not signed into Google, you can still control your preferences in ad settings. So they're really trying to at least give the image that they're giving people a lot of control. Um, there will also be a list of topics that you can choose to opt out of So for ads. So if you're not interested in gambling, I wouldn't listen to this podcast, particularly the organic section, 
but you can turn off those topics in Google Ads if you want to avoid it. Yeah, if you don't like money, don't do that. <laughs> um, they also specifically say that you used to have to opt into personal ads if your YouTube history was on. Now you can keep your history on and still opt out. Which is like YouTube history just doesn't work, at least on the TV, because it always shows me videos I've always already watched. It's asinine. That's what history is. I don't want to watch them again. Unless it's Miss Rage. I mean, yeah, for the children, they want to watch the same thing. I got them, I got them, I got Well, you guys know I'm team paid. So you might think I wouldn't like this, but I think it's great. I don't want someone seeing my ad if they don't want to. I also think a lot of people aren't going to do anything with this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might go in there if I'm seeing a lot of stuff I don't want to see, but it's nice to have the option and the control. Again, I don't want you to see my ad if you don't want to see it. Bye. <laughs> what else is happening? And so with this, this works for anything that is Google-owned and operated. This was announced back, I think it was Google Marketing Live this year. So it works on YouTube, Gmail, everything like that. Not display. Not display. Really? Yes. Mm. So you have no control of your display. So if you want to control your display in any of your settings, you still have your Google Ads display settings that you can control that are not in my ad center. And then you have my ad center that is only Google owned and operated. You're making this confusing. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so next up, oh, right from the desk of Neil Mohan, there is a new redesign coming to YouTube to feel more like TV. And this is being rolled out to all of the 2 billion users over the next few weeks. And the big thing here is it's going to be a lot more rounded. So I'll read, there's an exclusive with Fast Company here, and I'll read through a bunch of these and kind of inject a little bit of thoughts as well. They say, the changes include newly rounded buttons to like, subscribe, along with the option to pinch to zoom and the fine details of video. YouTube's dark mode, formerly a deep gray, is now a deep black. That choice was strategic. YouTube's designers say they witnessed just how dark dark modes have become since YouTube launched in the feature of 2018, and they want to keep the platform on trend. Breaking. Congrats. Black is the new black. Right? <laughs> like, like, a deep black? Yeah, deep black. Like, I thought there was one shade of black. Well, there's also gray, which is light black. These morons like don't know about how important a dark black is in a TV. Like you don't know that? No? Okay. Like the, the, that's me. like how you look at things. You look at like, oh, this black is it's actually blacker. But not not it doesn't matter. Okay, so whatever. Sometimes I wear you think I'm Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're too far away from me. Uh, all right. So then it also says, aside from the redesigning the experience of watching a video, YouTube's designers have also reprioritized the information hierarchy across the street screen. Notably, the video's creator has been moved up on the page and is now anchored prominently below the video while the subscribe button lives alongside the name. And note how the subscribe button's bright treatment almost jumps off the page, drawing your eyes to tap. I got a message to everybody listening to us on YouTube right now. See, Let's see what happens when you hit that subscribe. Is it jumping off the page? Just hit it. I dare you. <laughs> All right. It also says the rectangular buttons and thumbnails are getting the rounded corner treatment. And this is very interesting. I had to read this a few times. I don't even know what this is saying. But it goes, yes, that surrounding, that rounding is relatively understated. 
but YouTube's designers insist that subtlety is what the people prefer. One beloved concept, internally dubbed Bloob Tube, <laughs> pushed roundness to the extremes with bubbly thumbnails and drop-down menus. The overall vision was polished, airy, and having seen it myself. I feel like that is what Just Bud would name rounded corners. That's supposed to be like boob tube, like hearkening back to our mothers. I, I don't know. But this is, and having seen it myself, it's what I'd describe as a type of modern app experience you'd expect of a hip salad chain. I thought we were trying to be more like television, not <laughs> salad <laughs> restaurants. Let us I'm never going to trust anything from Fast Company again. Like this is, they are Google's PR team for getting this exclusive. It's ridiculous. And then it goes on to say that... It's making me hungry. (laughs) What are your thoughts on when you see the the bar in the circle in there, uh, like about how far you are into the content versus holding your thumb down and scrolling with your thumb like a a Twitter video, like Periscope? I don't want to have to do that. I love that little bar. I don't know why. But it's going to be getting rid of that. So you can hold the bottom bar with your thumb and pull it up and basically slide over and then wait what, they're getting rid of the progress bar I, it seems like it's on mobile here that's what i'm saying i don't want to have to do something i want to yeah I, I always get confused i was it takes me a second to just adjust it but whatever just, and then a slightest touch of your finger you can fast forward by minutes rather than seconds the company created a new film strip view that lets you pick your landing spot with frame accuracy and then another big update is you can pinch to zoom into video so you can see finer First, so like if you're all like, hey, let's just focus just on Greg, you're gonna pinch right in on me, and there you go. <laughs> this article is this so is... weird, like it reads like a Taylor Swift song, yeah. Like, why are they kissing Google's butt so much? Because they got the exclusive, that's what you have to do. You don't have to say the slightest touch, it's like a hip sale chain, <laughs> anyway. I think it's, I think it's fine that they're addressing the issue in the least. You know, I would actually like it if they could make a nice little rounded corner of the number of dislikes next to something because I am a soccer coach now and I'm looking at these videos. There's so many bad soccer videos out there and you can't do anything about it. You just have to watch and you get in there and you're like, oh, this one sucks. Let me get the other one with the M. I just wish there was that information out there let's just clarify you're coaching eight-year-olds and yeah. watching like game tape <laughs> well I'll, I'll bring some video in i i'm i've been doing serious goalie training the last two days wow that's my daughter she's goalie yeah well, that's awesome. Awesome. anyway um whatever so um i just am su- surprised that they cared enough about us non-premium users. It seems like this is going on to everybody. Could you imagine if they rounded corners only for <laughs> premiums? <laughs> everybody else can see. Right angles. Do you want to go into bloob tube mode? Pay an extra, tw- at least it's only $18.99 a month. Pay an extra $18.99 a month for blue tube. I thought you said bloob tube. It is bloob tube. tube. Bloob. I One need time answers. It's red, but it's too close to another red and tube mm. site. So they changed What's that? that? I need an answer. You just smush them together. <laughs> <laughs> you done? Is it my turn? Yes. It's not nearly as entertaining, but one metric hecton of updates are coming to Facebook groups. 
and whether this is reality or not, the romance of Facebook always was, and I think still is, the idea of connecting with people. It's not supposed to be a viral video discovery engine, a political war zone, or the obligatory digital birthday card. Like, that's not what Facebook is supposed to be, even though sometimes it is. It was designed to bring people together over shared Con, like contacts and interests and groups are the way of the future I think for that and Facebook is investing in it with the usual fluff of course made his announcement noted key takeaways for the updates which we'll get to as adding more options for people to connect over shared interests and helping admins build culture in their groups so they're just feeling really good about this but there are a lot of updates so what they are reels and groups eh. um, view only chats Admins can send announcements to the group without all the noise, which I think is a nice option, but please do not abuse this. People, it's a group. You want to let people chime in, obviously, when it's appropriate, uh, but that could be cool. There's some use cases for that. There will be the ability to customize your About Me info in your group profile and then also an open to messaging indicator on your profile so you can directly chat with Ooh, other DMs folks in DMs are group. open. Yeah, I like that. Um, Greg will like that too. He can get 10 more people to talk to him. <laughs> oh, so I guess I guess apparently too, Barry Schwartz. I was on his channel. If you want to hear me, it's he gaslit me a little bit. I know you're listening, Barry. Just so you know, you gaslit me with that title. It says the decline of Google Ads. That's my title of it. But a lot of people reach out, and I, I guess in the video I said DM me. So I get I'm getting like even more DMs. There's too many DMs, but I'm answering everybody. That's so, nice of you. Yeah, but I guess people said it was good. I was fair. You always are. Yeah. Overly optimistic, some might say, but at minimum, you're fair. Um, back to Facebook group updates. There will be dedicated chats for group events. Specifically, Greg, you'll like this one, community contribution rewards. Members are going to get points for specific actions and contributions in the group and earn badges, which can then be displayed on their group profile. But this isn't monetary. It's for how actively engaging you are in the community. And then, again, that's something that admins can use if they want to assign a role to you. It's just a good indicator of what's going on. Speaking of roles... They are testing a new one called Socializer, which will let admins recognize active members um, who help others feel welcomed, connected, and motivated to contribute to the community. Their example was socializers at a music festival or in a music festival community could be, you know, sharing their festival experiences and motivating others to do the same. Um, basically just using groups what it's for, doing it right. And I'm a lurker. Are you? Yeah. Still? In Trader Joe's meal ideas for busy moms, I've yeah. only posted once. I was going to ask if you were still a groupie there or not. What was your one post? Oh, a recipe. It's a take on the TikTok pasta, but it's all Trader Joe's. So you do um, two bags of the frozen cauliflower gnocchi, and then you do one thing of the frozen spinach artichoke dip. Wait, is this Brazilian jiu-jitsu? <laughs> what? Huh? No, the group isn't for that. Oh, I thought you said gnocchi. Okay. <laughs> Cherry tomatoes, bake it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah, we'll put that up uh, over on our Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and Chefs give you Trader some Joe's sort of badge for who knows what. Um, some boring things, but useful. Moderation tools, new moderation tools are coming as well as a daily digest dashboard. Say that five times fast for admins. So lots of small things, but adding up to just Facebook, again, investing a lot in groups. And I think it's where... The value probably really is on the platform. Everything else is just happy birthday, here's my baby, and my political stance. Can I give the Greg disclaimer on this mm -hmm. again? Everybody that's listened for a long time knows this. 
if you're to the point where you're out there earning points and having contributors and things, you should not be using Facebook groups. That simple. At some point, people will leave Facebook. At some point, you won't be able to get them back. If you're at that point where you need to invest in something and actually grow a community, don't use Facebook groups. If you want to prove a concept, get it started, great, do that. And then do one of those view-only chats to let people know where you're going. Get them to follow you there. Okay, and we've got some late-breaking news here right as we started recording today from Ginny Marvin on her at ads liaison handle. And, and it's not just ads liaison there. Anyway, Ginny on her at ads liaison Twitter handle said several new updates per, for Performance Max. I'll read through one, and then we can react live here on the pod. Mm. PMAX support in Performance Planner. Create plans to see forecasts of how your campaign may perform and simulate the impact of changes to factors like budget and targets. The forecast also takes seasonality, example, holiday lifts, into account. This is currently rolling out, dot, dot, dot. I don't trust Performance Planner. Do you mm, use it? Never in my life. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and Performance Max is so hit or miss sometimes and when especially when you start up yeah. whatever it's not do you like trust it's, that it's going to do what it says it's going to do i mean no i i trust nothing about performance planner it, i think it's good directionally to see if something's going to be more or less and look at the ratio of things yeah but combine it with pmax i don't know how the pmax is a product still that's why we've got these stickers here like it doesn't make you pointed sense. at the marketing o'clock sticker when you said, oh, said it. Well, I don't know how that exists, either, to be fair. but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's obviously a play to try to get budget from bigger advertisers, but for people that actually are trying to plan stuff out, I, it doesn't make much sense. Okay. Schedule asset groups with automated rules. That includes day parting and pre-scheduling capabilities. Assets can also go through review while pause so they're ready to go when your sale or event starts. And if you recall, assets in this case don't mean extensions. Extensions were recently renamed assets. Assets and performance max include headlines, descriptions, and anything that is an asset group. So just so you know, these assets aren't the normal assets outside of performance max. That sounds nice. Um, no surprise they want to be able to spend your money faster, and I'm resentful that you had to make that disclaimer because of the stupid name change. Jess, anything to add? Retweet. All right, Ginny says, see your first party data segments added as audience signals and audience insights on the insights page, dash coming soon. So what? So you yeah. see it, but you can't do anything about yeah. it. That's the problem. And then audience signals don't even get used the whole time. It's a signal that can start and help kickstart a campaign, but then at some point can be absolutely not used whatsoever. So I don't get it. Thank you for reminding the people of that nugget too. Yes, I wrote an a, a article on Search Engine Line about audience signals, and I talked to a bunch of Google reps, and it was really good. So we'll link it in uh, the show notes. All right, and then she finishes up and says, add as many as 15 headlines up from five to provide more combination testing coming towards the end of the year. So you get 15 headlines. What does it matter, though? Well, yeah, and if you have final URL expansion on, they can change them. That's nice. But you can't do anything with that. That's the problem. You don't get any data. Yeah, but. Yeah. I just hate BMAX in general. So it's like. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess there wasn't that Nothing's much. Nothing's really going to impress me unless it's like a rebrand. Yeah. 
They'll be like, oh, it works now. Everything's changed. Yeah, I feel like, hey, audience signals are not audiences. I was like, all right, oh. hey, we can do something. Or like people had really specific and great idea requests in PPC chat the other day, and that's not any of these things, so. Hmm. I'm surprised. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. This week's take of the week comes from Rand Fishkin over on Spark Toro. And he had a tweet that I saw that said, Last night, I published my first post in a long while. Congrats. (laughs) The post (laughs) is, I think he has a point that could be good. But it's just so hacked up with his own agenda and hatred towards anybody's profession other than his own. It's called how to measure, quote, hard to measure marketing channels. And he is going to lose so many people from the start. There's a cartoon in here that shows two people on top. And on top it says, hi, boss. Looks like 27% of our target audience engages with this podcast. Can I get a budget and sign off to pitch them some co-marketing ideas? The boss has a thumbs down and says, co-marketing with the podcast? We'll never be able to prove attribution. Absolutely not. Then the opposite is somebody holding a Google ad sign and say, hey, boss, the model says we need to put another $5 million into Google ads to get $5 million point, point, 5.01 million in sales. What you want me to do? And the boss has thumbs up and says, put it on the company card. Who made this? It Probably looks like Rand. this was done a graphic in paint, design right? artist. Yeah. <laughs> this was done in paint. It's just, th- this is starting off with like this thing that's going to infuriate everybody. And just to clarify, if you're listening and not watching, <laughs> the boss is like holding a, th- a sign of a thumbs up and thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he has a real <laughs> arm. No, this attached is, to his arm. This is a stick person with a Facebook icon is what it is. So anyway, anyway, goes on to make all of the points that somehow benefit SparkToro. And I don't disagree with any of this. And you should use SparkToro and you should go find those 27% of podcast influencers or whatever. But he says there's trends that are spelling doom and he links to a zero click content. Remember, he talked about the fact that 68% of clicks were zero click or something like that. And then he says the organic and ad tracking changes from Google, Apple, Facebook. It's bad math. And then some other, what? 68% percent of, of clicks, clicks are, are zero, zero click. click. searches are zero click. <laughs> um, and then some other stuff. So anyway, this is the part that's, you just, you don't understand everything with this. So it says, which marketing channels and tactics are easy versus hard to measure? Google's paid search ads, easy peasy. Facebook and Instagram (laughs) ads, lemon squeezy. TikTok, Reddit, Twitter, and LinkedIn ads, pretty easy. Which like, why are those different? Yeah, why are they different? Because they're newer. Apple App Store, Google Play Store, it's still pretty easy. And then looks at some hard to measure tactics like organic SEO, um, content marketing, social media, PR, co-marketing, and things like that. And then throws in the the world's stupidest second stupidest image (laughs) as well about the one where he went before and said that everything takes credit for for stuff. So the point here is good. It's like, how can you try to measure some of the untrackable aspects of it? 
but and you should you should read it he has a nice chart here where there's some things with like awareness and interest and using things like search volume on google trends um the one thing i don't think makes a ton of sense is where he's like oh if you're trying to track untrackable marketing look at direct and branded search visits or just um type in and direct traffic basically where it's like that if you are running paid ads if you're running facebook that also drives a ton of direct like that's not perfect it's not a it's good to have all these and he's got a spreadsheet example of spark toro which is really cool but i just wish you could for once just give a non-biased thing because some of his facts are like based but not not a lot of them are you're just gonna, it's, it's so stupid. Anyway, something as well on the take of the week is the opposite from Andrew Lok over at Savvy Revenue. This is a double header here. He says, optimal Google ads tracking, get 20 to 50% more data. And this is for the uh, easy peasy one to track. But I just, it, this goes to show that like, you can't see some talking head and be like, oh, I'm gonna use this Google ads, easy peasy. There's real ad attribution issues. There are many different touch points. There's data-driven attribution in GA4 where you are giving the attribution up to Google and what do you think is gonna happen with that? There's attribution in ad platforms itself and there's so many different touch points. There are problems and Andrew has a very scientific look here that's a great take on how to try to get some of that tracking back. Um, some things you can do for cookie consent, where Europe is killing 10 to 40% of your data before people load your website, changing device and browser, and then client side tracking. He also has a bunch of different examples and suggestions for client side tracking, some uh, pros and cons of each. And I just thought that overall, there were a lot of takes here. And I liked the fact that um, Andrew was very straightforward. And I liked where Rand was trying to go with this. Now it's time for this week's ICYMI. ICYMI people, this is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. ICYMI people, PPC Greg has another gem for us. He tweeted a link to a support page for Google Ads, and you can select any of your um, Google Ads accounts if you have an MCC, or I'm sure if you just have one account, you can it'll show up there. And you can see how long ads in that account have been under review. Upon recording, I'm looking at it now, and it says this tool is temporarily unavailable, but it was working for me earlier today, and it was fun to see hmm. how long things have been under review. And I hope for your sake it's not too long. Thank you, PPC Greg. Now it's time for this week's Pew Pew Lightning Round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid universe this week, another ICYMI. PPC chat was joined by our ads liaison, Jenny Marvin, this week. She was answering people's questions. Um, one actually came from at Greg Finn on Twitter. And Julie said, any update on how low quality leads are being driven in waves for performance max? Other than just doing more on our end to add friction, similar question came from Eben Lowy as well. Any progress on making it smarter than the four to six weeks of learning needed? So Ginny responded and said, we're prioritizing several solutions to further mitigate invalid leads caused by invalid traffic. I can tell you these concerns are being taken very seriously. And then 
a lot of people were kind of just voicing that it's a really, really big problem. So Minaham Ani said, hi, Jenny, aside from providing credits for invalid clicks, is there another aspect that is equally important? Getting spam leads constantly can be very demoralizing for SMB for an SMB team. Would be best to filter traffic sources so that we don't see spam traffic to begin with. And then Derek Mullins at PPC ClickShark said, most marketers I know in lead gen intentionally avoid the display network other than for retargeting or in some instances using custom audiences. Rob Bettis at Rob Bettis had similar concerns. He said, for what it's worth with CRM data, we created a report with obvious commonalities between all of the spam leads and shared with Google. No credits, no charges, so we paused the campaigns. They couldn't keep paying to have junk leads. So people are saying here, whatever, Google can give you a refund, but you have to have like the team on your side to go through all these junk leads if you don't have like automated systems in place. And some people just don't have the capacity to do that. So Pmax is never going to work for them. And it's really frustrating. Like I've had lead gen clients ask me when there's a bunch of spam leads coming in from Pmax, like, can we get a refund for these? And you can't, like you're not paying for the leads, you're paying for the clicks. Um, So Greg retweeted it and had, you know, a little... But I'm bum. <laughs> he said, the PMAX spam is also jading folks on Google ads in general. Turns out that mixing mobile app display leads from Candy Crush with pure search leads, then touting as maximum performance that your platform offers might not be a great idea. So if you want more, Shots I feel yeah. personally <laughs> victimized by Regina George. But Do you see a lot of good ads when you're playing Candy Crush? It's an ad free game then why do i see no, it in my I, I purchases all the time. no we get your traffic all the time. yeah really you yes. must be paying for I it i have the app are you talking about like in facebook where you can play it in facebook no that's not google that's a different platform i understand that but like i've never seen an ad in there you must be paying for it i am not i haven't since I see what 2014 time. really yeah I, 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 regardless, it's a terrible look to be like, this is our, the best we can do. And it just has waves of suck that it sends yeah. you. If you want more updates on that PPC chat conversation from this week, be sure to go back and look at it on Twitter. Or I'm sure Anu will have a breakdown of it on her podcast this week. So check it out there. And the other thing that drives me crazy is I, I get you could put more friction into things and make it harder to fill stuff out. Your stupid campaign type shouldn't be this dumb to have such minimum performance that you have to adjust everything for this new stupid campaign type. I shouldn't have yeah, to it hack shouldn't be it. my problem. Like, right. Yeah. Like this works for all of search. This works for retargeting. This works for discover. But P, but Pmax, you have to start making adjustments because it's, it's so good. Hence the sticker. Hold up that, that down thumb sign. Thumb sign. And next up, PMAX might not be working out for Google the way they hoped it would. Rich Greenfield at Rich Lightshed on Twitter tweeted, first ever decline in advertising revenues at YouTube and Google. Not a good sign heading into the holiday quarter. So he has a screenshot here um, where it's comparing. It went back many, many quarters. And from Q2 22 to Q... 322 was the first decline down 1.9%. So not great for Google. And then market 
Watch had an article that said Google ad sales take a hit and widely miss estimates. Alphabet stock drops 6%. Total sales miss expectations by more than 2 billion as Alphabet revenue grows at its slowest pace in more than two years, the slowest year-over-year growth since sales declined in June 2020. Not great for them. It's weird that ad revenues went down when... I don't understand how it's possible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also all you're doing is pushing premium and trying to make people not use the platform. That's another reason. Oh, YouTube, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of it more of a PMAX standpoint. No, like if you're trying to make people not use your service and not see ads... You're doing a good job, Neil. And we have a Facebook update from Marvin. It's Vanek on Twitter at It's Vanek. Marvin, I'm sorry for ruining your name. And it's Marin, not Marvin. I cannot speak, everybody. (laughs) Okay, so it says Facebook rep update. Breakdowns data is back for conversion reporting. Starting October 27th, we will be able to see eight breakdowns, age, gender, age, and gender. Wait. Yep. You read that right. Age, comma, gender, then age and gender. Country, impression, device, platform, platform, and device, and placement. The commas are very important in this sentence, so just make sure you go look at the tweet. Um, For web app and conversion reporting, Gil David at Gil underscore run DMG retweeted it and said, it feels like we're going back to 2019. I hope for all the meta advertisers' sake that that really happened. I mean, we need not... Maybe we need to go back time. further, further. Let's just 2019. Yeah, but what happened after that? We don't talk about. Oh, Bruno. I forgot that it meant like having to live through this, the after again. It'd be good to just stay there. <laughs> and from Diogo A. Da Silva on Twitter, he said, "PPC chat is it just me, or is Google blocking the Google Ads preview tool?" So he's looking, <laughs> trying to see an ad preview for mobile and. Weep womp, you can't see it. Um, Ginny said that they are working on it. I just checked upon recording this, and it looks like it is working again, at least in my account. So I hope it is for everyone else because I love that tool. Okay, and from Dario Zanoni, he saw a cool update in Meta Ads. He said, seems that Meta considers it important to add music to ads. So you can have this option to turn music on and then you can select manually apply music. You can select up to five songs and it says we'll accompany each ad impression with the music we predict will improve performance. You can select based on mood or tempo. I'm just, I would love to know what the different moods are in Facebook ads. Thumbs up, thumbs down. a grumpy mood? That would just be you all the time. In Facebook ads. Sad despair. Thanks. I'm not grumpy. You're grumpy. You said it yourself. (laughs) Staying out of that. And from Dan Richardson at NJS Dan Rich on Twitter. He said, first time I've seen site links like this. So he has an example of an ad where the site links kind of look like buttons underneath. And I think it just has the site link text, no descriptions. And they're really, really big. Looks like mobile. Those corners are rounded, too. It's just like television. (laughs) This is ridiculous. You hate it? It looks like a pole. Actually, (laughs) just like clicking around like it's nothing. And if this is mobile, why is one grayed out? It's not like a hover state. How big that ad is. You're going to click on the site link over the ad when that's what you get. Oh, yeah. If If you don't click on the icon and the site name and you don't click on the headline or any of the content, You've now got stacked 
assets that look like polls, that's ridiculous. Yeah. This is why I always cheat the system and have like my main landing page as a site link every time. Shh. Sorry. Google is not listening. Just put a fragment at the end. Oh gosh. Tales from PPC Reddit. This one is from user designer underscore by underscore day. It says Google rap Google reps threatening to contact clients. Um, so basically I read the whole email. It is so weirdly and threateningly worded. It's like, my intentions are good. I'm just trying to help you. If you don't reply to this by Friday before I will contact your clients directly. Like, why are you threatening me? That would be a great Halloween costume. <gasps> a Google rep? A Google rep. How would you You describe? just print out emails. You just keep throwing them at people. They're all very, it's like, I'm going to contact. You should have made one husband. for your spirit Halloween meme. Oh yeah! If you oh, yeah. <laughs> we on Twitter, all of our socials, we made fake spirit costumes for all of us. And I'm just not engrossed in meme culture these days. So I thought that Greg like went to Spirit Halloween, took that photo, and then doctored it. Like oh. I thought it was your costume. It's all over goths doing things. It's so weird. <laughs> that I'm that still like the most in touch with the times. What <laughs> was the thing you sent with the dragon solar light? What? We have this channel with all three of us, <laughs> and you sent something with like remember. a dragon solar. Do you see that? Every morning I wake <laughs> up, and I have activity in multiple Instagram threads that I'm in with Jess Bud and usually one other person. I don't have any friends, and so everyone <laughs> that I work with just gets meme spammed for me between the hours of 9 p.m. I this. really I'm enjoy it. I'm going to turn on notifications. Baby dragon. <laughs> LED. <laughs> From user Ferrero. Um, this is about Google choosing the most irrelevant keywords in shopping campaigns. So it says, my standard shopping ads have so many irrelevant keywords. I add a few hundred negative keywords per day. And yet every day, there are always the same amount of new ones. And it's just basically a couple of paragraphs of this person's woes. But I like when he just stops and says, like, bro, the most important <laughs> keywords still get the most impressions in terms of per keyword, but the irrelevant keywords are definitely the majority of the overall daily impressions. Sometimes all you have to say to Google Ads is like, bro. And sometimes all you have to say to Greg is yes. And he sits there and he's not listening and he's buying a dragon solar light, which isn't going to work because we're recording in a basement. You know when you can respond, you can tell Google Ads how you're feeling and it's like a happy face, a sad face. Oh, yeah. They should add an option that's like bro. They're all out of stock. Right. Shoot. Actually, this was a good example. So the person sold toys for kids and it was like a turtle toy for kids, but he kept getting keywords of like toys for turtles. It brought a smile to my face. <laughs> I bet they put them on a shell when they clean up. <laughs> Welcome back, Greg. We have a tweet from Steve Husky at Talk Nerdy to Me, but the number two, great handle. He has a picture. It's taken on a computer from a phone of <laughs> Google Ads. I mean, what is he supposed to do? You're not updating the campaign on your phone. I guess he could have done a screenshot. It's when you pick the bid strategies in Google ads and it makes no sense. So it says, what do you want to focus on? Clicks. And then you have to pick like a tiny button at the bottom to pick a bid strategy directly. So he says, this is very deceptive Google ads. It benefits Google, does not benefit advertisers. We have run over 4,000 Google ads campaigns. Only one time has a maximized clicks bid strategy 
beat our bidding process. You want everyone on max clicks so you can artificially inflate CPCs. It's so true. They try to push you into maximize clicks all the time. Okay, from Greg Kohler, ever heard of him on LinkedIn? He has, he's featured in this ad for Disney advertising slash Hulu ads manager. And he's basically giving a testimonial and talking about how two men in a truck used Hulu ad manager in their local, at the local level um, and had a lot of success. So a couple takeaways here. One, Hulu Ads Manager acronym is HAM. Yes! (gasps) Two, Greg Kohler is a standing desk three monitor guy. Wow. Three, the ad itself that they're running is adorable. It's It's called the grandma rule. And it's about how two men in a truck treat all your stuff like they would treat their grandma. And they're like walking around with the grandmas and putting them on the truck. And they're just these nice old ladies. It's just chef's kiss. Like you got to watch it. It'll bring a smile to your face. It's almost like they got a good marketing team over there or something. <laughs> and from Matt Navarra at Matt Navarra, he said, Meta now lets you subscribe to track ad spend and the number of ads published of up to 10 advertisers of social, electoral, and political ads. Can't think of anything I'd rather subscribe to less. Dario Zanoni found a tool to trim videos for six seconds or less in the Google Ads asset library. This seems like a super handy tool. He says it automatically creates multiple short videos from a long video by cutting and rearranging its contents. Um, for example, it cuts and sets the same CTA section at the end of each short. So assuming it does a good job. Okay, I didn't realize I had so much news. From <laughs> Colin Slattery at CJ Slattery, he said, man, Pmax is such a gem. Spends 50% more and generates fewer conversions than the previous week. So, so good. I have the same thing. Like I have this Pmax campaign that consistently has 10 SQLs for one of my lead gen clients every week. And then it just SHAT the bed last week and like two leads the whole week super high CPA and I had to go to the meeting I was ready to be like let's stop this it had like the day I was going to talk about it had all these leads like it's so unpredictable I hate it so are you you just kind of swore you've (laughs) never done that before we're gonna have to mark this uh parental content um I also would like to point out Jess at fire team at higher fire team on Twitter responded and said, maybe you're on P min to Colin Slattery cease and desist, Jesus. but let us know if you want a sticker subscribe on youtube.marketingclock.com. Okay. Alfred Simon at Alfred Simon on Twitter said new options in Google ads to exclude placements on an account level. So this is that new suitability center. He says only applicable for YouTube display network, but it's nice that we can see it in one place. So that Content suitability is now popping up in people's settings. You just have to go to the top menu now, but super handy. Okay, that's all I have, Greg. What's happening in organic? All right, first up, there is a change in the YouTube family plan price. A quick guess here. Going up, going down. Up. Up. Okay, it is going from 18 a month to $23 a month starting in the first billing cycle after November 21st. So yeah, so if you want premium and be able to watch YouTube on your phone and get more length of video consumption, you need premium. And it's 27% more. Why is it so much more than other streaming platforms with like better original content? It's a lot of money for a family plan. That's what. And the thing is, you're literally cutting out their revenue making opportunities. And a lot of that goes to creators. I know that there's supposed to be a split between premium. Nothing is ever disclosed. But it's got to be disheartening, too, to be like, oh, Google is always pushing premium. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of this money I'm getting. Now my I am 
having no ads shown on my content because it's premium and where's that money going to? Not me, maybe a little bit. I don't know how much. These creators are really, uh, really got to be pretty upset about this. Hmm, more on that later. All right. And from Patreon, 70% of creators say they feel screwed by the big tech platforms. And 73% say that they don't like that algorithms affect the work they put out. I try to be a blacksmith in my spare time. I've actually seen a lot of people that went professional. Well, I've seen one person. They went professional. But a lot of, everybody's complaining about it. One person went pro making things, showing pictures, posting it, selling things, um, full-time job, and then didn't convert to reels and just kept doing the pictures and then made a, a video, not a reel, uh, of saying, I'm going back, I'm not doing this, and I'm, I've got a job now. Because <gasps> it just didn't do it and then had, couldn't keep the job up because nobody would see their stuff. That is so sad. The struggle is real. All right. So let's get some good news here. Shutterstock will start selling AI-generated stock imagery with the help from OpenAI. And the stock image company is also promising to reimburse creators whose work is used to train AI art models. That's great. That's just what I want. I want AI art. Who owns that? Is that like, oh, that's copyright Dolly? I don't know. I'm excited to see. I'm not. AI art. art creeps me the F out. You like that? I just added to myself. Great job. Nice. All right. Next up from our boy, Neil Mohan, most famously known from the reel of YouTube, talking about how YouTube is bringing NFTs on, which we haven't seen yet, almost a year later. Neil says, we're launching Creator Music. Announced last month, YouTube creators in our YouTube partner program can now use our growing music catalog for their videos and still earn revenue. Also gives artists and music rights holders a new revenue stream for their music. So there is some good news here for creators. Unless you look at the fine details here, because I don't know who would really use this for anything major. You can hop in, you can see these different tracks, you can use them, you can either pay to get the license to use that, or you can do the revenue share. So you can say you're an artist, you put your song out there, so you're a creator, you can choose that and pick which way you want to pay. Um, however, this is not for anything that is live. It will only be for set standard YouTube videos. Additionally, um, this is only for YouTube. So the license is a YouTube only license. So if you make a video and then try to download it and go put it on Vimeo or something or TikTok or whatever, you do not have that license any longer. So that's the biggest caveat I see there. And also obviously the name is ridiculous. It's, this is called creator music within, and the people that can use it are, the handle is YouTube, for, at YouTube creators in the YouTube partner program, but it's not the YouTube creators music and it's not YouTube music. Does that make sense? This is the only one that doesn't say YouTube on it. Just says creator music? It's just creator music. Are the only creators YouTube creators these days? Is that what they're trying to? Apparently. But it only works for YouTube. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. Anyway, next up from Search Engine Roundtable, Google is exploring more visual products section. It's like an explore more and there's products being pulled in. A better time than ever to check your merchant feed. 
And also schema now works with being able to get your product shown in the search engine results pages. And if you want to see something phenomenally large, Adam DeFrisco, power listener on the show at DI underscore Frisco SEO on Twitter. He found an example of 28, I believe, different product, 24 different products showing in a row for the term glass chair mat. I didn't know there was a glass chair mat that existed. That, that sounds, seems, sounds dangerous. Yeah. Real dangerous. Like Excellent. shards in your foot, buy one of these. All right, next up from Barry Schwartz, he says, I see why am I? There is no documented character limit for the length of the site name in Google search on Twitter. I did not click the article because I saw Adam DeFrisco at DI underscore Frisco SEO say, it took a while, but I finally found one. This specific site name gets cut off at 43 characters. And it is the University of Arkansas Community College at Batesville. So, no, it's at. Yes, but I, that that's the one that threw the error. So apparently at 43 characters, there's a limit. From Mike Ryan, if you're looking for to see the uh, Google Trends search taxonomy, you can see how Google breaks that down. And it's also got the product taxonomy. It's very interesting if you are at any type of merchant. And then for uh, search, obviously, you can see every category in the entire taxonomy that Google has. Pretty crazy. The Google October 2022 spam update is over. It launched on the 19th and was completed on the 21st. If you want more on that, Barry has the scorecard, and I think we're going to start putting a little something together for that in months to come here for some more information. And then Witsy underscore analytics on Twitter says, hashtag looker studio, new feature. As announced a few weeks ago during the Google Cloud Next event, looker connector is now available in public preview to connect to looker semantic models from looker studio. So if you're trying to get the actual looker data into lookstud, you can now do that. All right, and just a quick headline here. Amazon is now allowing customers to make payments through Venmo. I like it. I'd call it Venazon. Like deer? Just combine them together. I think it's a higher caliber than the opposite would be. Okay, and from Glenn Gabe, he says, love this from Marcus Tober of Sunrush. Ammo. A more nuanced zero-click <laughs> study with more realistic numbers. And SEMrush did their own zero-click study. If you recall from earlier in the show, I said that Rand Fishkin said there was 68% zero-clicks. It turns out that SEMrush says desktop is 26% and mobile is 17%. But a lot of great information there if you're looking for it. Keeping it here with Glenn Gabe, he found a nice little tidbit from the Search Off the Record podcast. Is it on the record or off the record? author says important for users if there's a serious performance problem but won't move the needle seo wise it's a lightweight factor at best and he says from the search off off the record podcast okay lizzie looked to improve core web vital scores but the dev team said it's a low priority yeah that's what we've been saying that whole time remember when everybody lost their minds for like a quarter about core web vitals who was the only person saying to not listen to that you. I think maybe Klein too, but yeah. Okay. From Christina on Discord, who is does identify as a Greg, by the way. Mm-hmm. She accepted her Greg. So watch out, PPC Greg. She's in the mix this year. She says, new to me. I clicked on a Google search result in Chrome, and this little notification po- popped up in the search bar for see more search results. Clicking it opens up a search panel inside I'm currently viewing with more Google search results. 
I'm sure Barry Schwartz would say not new, but you can see it up on the screen if you're looking on YouTube. All right, and here we go to extra, extra. How's the news? First from the Press Gazette, it seems that publishers have become addicted to the traffic hit from news alerts. So it writes to say the instant traffic hit from push alerts means that publishers are now using them every day, regardless of whether the content they are promoting is worth the news flash treatment. That is one way to get people to unsubscribe so fast when everything is bold, nothing is bold. All right, from Paul G on Twitter, Paul Graham, I believe, it says, according to a new study by David Rodazzo, there's been a big increase in news headlines suggesting fear, anger, disgust, and sadness since, 20, since 2000, especially since 2010. Journalists are pushing your buttons. Hmm. Anger is going up. Disgust is going up. Fear is going up. Joy is going down. Sadness right. is always up, Shep. <laughs> <laughs> And Glenn Gabe, it'll finish this out here again. He says, run a podcast. Heads up. At Music Match is launching a new platform for podcasts that combines AI-generated transcription and community-verified editing. I feel like the AI generated their stupid name as well. <laughs> but you can find, search, find, and click, and you're taken to a podcast right at the timestamp. Um, I've not had a ton of good luck trying to transcribe this at all, but it's probably also because you've heard us talk and that's it. But it might be a good pick if you need translation. Oh, picks, did you say? We've got six of them this week. We went three and two last week. We're 21, 12, and one on the year. We've got Tampa Bay plus a point and a half, Jacksonville minus two, Jets plus two, Philly minus 10, Tennessee minus two, and the Rams plus one. Although one of them's Thursday, so I guess it's a five pack for you listening after it's on Friday. Tampa Bay probably already won. Totally. I bet. <laughs> Get it? All right. That's it in Organic Bud. What's happening social? All right. First up here in sports. Uh, Elon Musk told investors he planned to cut 75% of Twitter's workforce, gutting to a skeleton staff of 2,000 people. This is according to documents obtained by the Washington Post, and for what it's worth, it looks like current management was also planning to cut payroll pretty, pretty significantly, like $800 million by the end of next year, a number that would mean the departure of nearly a quarter of the workforce. So whether Mr. Musk gets it or not, eh, things are not looking good. Um, there were also talks of major cuts to Twitter's infrastructure, including data centers that keep the site functioning for more than 200 million users that log in on each day. So Outlook Grim or whatever the Magic 8 Ball says. And I didn't think he was actually going to buy it. He just walked into the Twitter headquarters while we were recording. Wait, really? Yeah, watch this. Who's filming it? He's walking in. What's he holding? Sink or a toilet? That's the kitchen sink. Get out of here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Look how funny that's, he thinks he that's is. That's a bathroom sink. Oh. Did you see his little chuckle at the end? Oh my gosh. I really didn't think he was going to buy it. I really didn't think he's going to And buy it. all the people there, he just said he's going to like cut their jobs and he's walking in with a stupid prop. See, yeah, come on. Did that... Are you Carrot Top or are you like the smartest guy in the world? Here? What are we doing? Carrot Top is the, the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> Look at that. Two people. How's he doing? <laughs> I don't know. We should check on him. Um... Yeah, to your point, Shep, I don't know if there's going to be anyone left to fire. Business Insider dropped some interesting figures this week. 530 workers have left Twitter in the past 90 days. That is 60% more than had left Twitter during the previous quarter. 1,100 
um, have left the company since January, the company, be, again, being Twitter. Nearly 30% of workers that left Twitter in the past three months have gone to Google or Meta, and many more have gone to other top social platforms. So there's a mass exodus. It's just happening anyway. So they're going to leave whether they're dragged out or walk out. Um, or maybe they'll go down the drain if that sink gets hooked up. Yeah, seriously. Ah, sticking with Twitter, but away from the drama. Creators can rejoice. Super follows creators can now access the creator dashboard on web, which is super exciting. You may recall this was released in testing on iOS back in March. It's basically a place to see all the earnings that you've made over time. And now it is available again on web for everyone. Creators over on Instagram are also rejoicing. Maybe a few weeks ago, we talked about the portfolio feature that they were working on. They're still working on it. It's not officially launched, but it has been officially announced. The creator portfolio option will enable creators to build what's essentially a media kit. We already talked about this. Um, They can showcase brands they've worked with and their audience reach. The big thing here, it seems, is that it'll be super easy to share directly with somebody that you're looking to work with. So that's great. This initiative comes as the information surfaced an internal memo where Mr. Adam Masseri himself said that Instagram, this is a quote, Instagram lags behind TikTok and YouTube on all dimensions that are most important to creator satisfaction, end quote, including several unrelated to the ability to make money, such as fun, always important, uh, reach fair algorithm, to your point earlier, Greg, and care. So some of those are really broad terms and users are feeling the same way, just saying. But money is important too. And as you know, it talks and bull walks. Creators probably will too, Adam, if you don't get your heck together. According to Digiday, TikTok um, ad revenue shared with creators on TikTok is 50%. YouTube is 50% for long form, 45% for shorts creators. Um, Facebook is 55%. Snapchat is undisclosed, but probably not zero. Twitch is 70%. And Instagram is none. I, I know that fun is important, Adam, but so is money. Just saying crazy Mm -hmm. we'll see if that changes now that we've broke the news (laughs) you're really making change in this town just (laughs) but now that i'm a swifty i can do more with sticking up for the creators i'll tell you all right unless you've been living under a rock this is not going to shock anybody but speaking of digiday they have a piece out about how agencies are changing their strategies from TikTok as an afterthought or not a thought at all into producing creative that is meant specifically for the platform. I think this makes sense. The writing has been on the wall for this for a while, um, but I guess now the writing is on paper or at least on the internet. Agencies are building creative entire creative teams just for the talk. It's a whole different beast if you've got the resources and the need. It's not always a great fit, but if it is for your clients, it's something to consider at least one Gen Zer who can speak TikTok, right? I mean, this is but the way of the future, it's the way things are going. So don't sleep on it if you have been, you psychos. From our buddy Azim, he has an Instagram or a LinkedIn post that says, is TikTok about to shake up the podcast market too? This one seems to be flying under the radar IMO, but if you look at the image below, TikTok have filed a patent which includes downloadable mobile applications providing podcast and radio broadcast content. I'm reading from his post here. He says, adding to that, just last week, Audio Means, which is a podcast hosting company, said that it had seen a new bot that is scraping our feeds for podcast content, and others are seeing the same thing 
too. So we did just talk last week, I think it was last week, about how ByteDance is chatting up record labels about music and licensing and they're trying to do streaming right in the TikTok app. So podcasts too, this all makes sense. According to Pew Pew Research, or just Pew Research officially, um, about a quarter of U.S. adults under 30 are now regularly getting news on TikTok. So that's the under 30 crowd. Around 10% of all U.S. adults regularly get news on the app. And in general, the percentage of people getting news from TikTok has tripled since 2020. So again, it's a force and it's trying. It's a force where it's a force already and it's trying to be a force elsewhere. All right. Ofcom did a study of the average time spent per day by UK adults and teens on social media platforms. So far this year, TikTok is the overall winner for 15 to 24 year olds. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by that. But the interesting thing here is over an hour a day for that platform, for that demographic. Snapchat, which is next in line for the youngsters, is down to 40 minutes, which is still a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And across all ages, to really illuminate how much time that is, pretty much everything else is in the single digits of minutes with just a few exceptions here and there. Because you only get them when people send them to you. (laughs) Fair. Um, But they did lump Facebook and Messenger together, which are like not the same thing so that's i guess whatever could skew the numbers a little bit um and that was up in the double digits which is why i call that out but still like 30 or 20 minutes surprising people aren't on OnlyFans longer did you see that a minute and a half it must be really boring over there (laughs) or they put their phone down all right finally Not finally, actually. Uh, LinkedIn, I got quite a few more. LinkedIn is adding some new features in the vein of accessibility. High contrast mode on mobile. It's probably deep black rather than gray. New standardized job titles for accessibility specialists like CAO, accessibility engineer, and a couple more. There's a new skill for dyslexic thinking. Automatic captions are being added for videos. This is done during the upload process. You will be able to review and edit those before posting, but it's nice that it's just done for you. Um, They're adding alt text for ads and a new learning course for, it's called the Practical Accessibility for Designers, and it'll teach you how to design and build accessible experiences within the web. Just nice to illuminate some of those themes. I love to see it. They are also adding a new about this profile feature to help make fake or sketchy accounts easier to sniff out. It'll show details like when a profile was created as well as when it was last updated and whether the profile has a verified phone number and or work email address associated with it. So y'all out there probably thinking I'm fake based on my user behavior. (laughs) Speaking of fake, last up in social, Meta is announcing a new or launching a new brand protection tool to help businesses flag fake accounts that are posing as their brand. It makes it super easy to report infringing ads, Facebook pages, and Instagram accounts that are impersonating a brand, as well as counterfeit trademark or copyright infringements, which is way better than just yelling cease and desist into the void and (laughs) hoping for the best. So we probably need this tool here as well. And then breaking news, Meta's Q3 numbers came in. Not good. Revenue, $27.7 billion, down 4% year over year. Net income, $4.4 billion, down 52% year over year. Wow. Headcount's up 28%. Wow. Stock's down six, over 6% as the news is breaking. This is going to be bad times pretty soon. It's not good. Might there be blood in the streets? We'll see. I mean, there quite literally might be blood in the streets. All right, and I've got one segment segment here for you to finish us out. It's called... 
Google. And it's from 9 to 5 Google. The name of the article is Google slides into Tim Cook's mentions to promote Team Pixel. And the tweet says, it's tweeting to Tim Cook as Google Pixel, right? Saying, hmm, okay, I see you. Hashtag take note at NBA fans. Hashtag Team Pixel is here to get you closer to your favorite team. Tell us yours and we might be able to make your NBA tip-off even better. This is from a verified account. If you look at the tweet and examine it, you'll see that it came from Twitter for iPhone. So take that L, Google. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I have been a big over bookmarker with like Google ads links lately. So if there's like a keyword report I'm looking at a lot, give it a bookmark. Campaign you just launched, you wanna keep a close eye on it, bookmark it. And then you can just delete them a couple of days later. The links stay the same, it's nice. Something hardly working for me are the new assets within Google ads. For some reason, it keeps hiding a bunch of things. <laughs> the experience for those that have the new assets is so wildly different than the others that still call them extensions and the others are sort of like half and half where you don't have the site name. It's just driving me crazy. Please just make this uniform and please get rid of the extensions if you're calling them assets. You need to have better rollout plans for all this stuff. Yeah. You need to have better profile categories for your Google business profiles too. Hardly working for me this week. No offense to anglerfish restaurants and tree surgeons. Y'all are very important, but y'all are very specific. These categories is, exist, but something as simple as meeting venue does not. Do better. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool. This week's cool tool will take some frustration out of website migration, but not all can be a frustrating process. It is a mapping tool from LeeFoot at LeeFoot SEO on Twitter. It can read your screaming frog exports and attempt to find the best matching URLs on staging versus your live site by looking at things like slug, page title, and H1. Super handy for mapping redirects. He's got the full feature descriptions as well as the GitHub link right there in his thread. So you can read all about that and how this can help you. As always, we will have that link in our newsletter as well as on Discord, community.marketingoclock.com. So pick your poison and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Merkel's Melissa Mackey, power listener of the show. Shout out, Melissa. She has an article over on the Journal of Search Engines, aka Search Engine Journal, called Scale Your B2B Lead Generation with Discovery Ads. She talks about what discovery ads are, how you can use them successfully for lead gen, which includes combining with retargeting, complementing search campaigns, targeting competitor keywords, setting up micro conversions, uh, and connecting lead sources. And then she goes on to have some case studies, and then most importantly, some caveats that you might run into for B2B for discovery ads. And she is also at SMX Next here coming up in November. I believe it's the 16th and 17th. Those tickets are free. You should sign up now while you can. And don't miss me. Don't miss Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. 
And now on to our playlist of curated songs to work to. You can head over to playlist.marketingandclock.com to listen to Marketing a Playlist. I will be selecting Antihero this week. I'm going first because this is the first time in history that me and Jess wanted the same song. So what will you be picking wait, instead? Antihero by who? People need to know. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. I legit 100% had that in the notes first, but I let Shep have it because it's her girl. And what? I had an alternate. I didn't know what you meant. You always write in like hieroglyphics in here. I do just to surprise the people. Okay. Okay. You. <laughs> um, anyway, my second draft pick whatever you would call that. And the Serpentine is Let You Down by NF. Just NF? I guess. That's oh, I his name. I thought it was some like, code you had there. No, okay. he's like an Eminem wannabe. I think he's also from Detroit. I was looking him up earlier. Oh, I'm sure he loves that you called him that. He sounds a lot like Eminem. It's a compliment. All right, and I've got I Don't Mind by Sturgill Simpson. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack. We're after our famous Friday news show. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the hack. Today we are playing everyone's favorite game in honor of everyone's favorite holiday. It's Halloween Trivia. Yes, it is. And it's going to span multiple categories. So we really got a good one here for you. Okay. All right. Shop, Jazz, Tables. You're going to ring in by using your name. And if you're at home, just yell your name out right now and you might get called out. <laughs> All right. So first up, question. Before jack-o'-lanterns were, were carved as pumpkins, what other root vegetable was commonly used? Jess. Yes. Wait, I think I heard Andrew Hutchinson buzz in before her. Oh, yeah. No, he no. does not <laughs> listen to the show. Um, potatoes. Wait, there goes Charles Farina. What did you say? <laughs> potatoes? potatoes. Incorrect. Really? Yes. Thought I had that. Shep. Shep. Squash. No, tables. Is that a root vegetable? <laughs> yes, it's also a pumpkin. Um. <laughs> I was going to go with squash, too. Okay. We're just going to go around. You don't have to ring anymore. Turkey? <laughs> okay. Turkey. What's the answer? Yeah, what Turnips. Turnips. Oh. Turnip. Right. Number two. <laughs> Thanks, Chef. Turn down. Th thanks more, Jess. All right. Number number two. Where did the game Bobbing for Apples originate? Jess only. Where is in, like, geographic region? Yes. Um, Australia. Okay. Going down Tables, under. you get a guess? France. France? Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. Don't know where that is, so I know <laughs> France. It's in New York. France is a winner. Table gets a point. It was yes. England. What? France is the closest. <laughs> oh, we're doing it Bob Barker style. Y'all ain't getting points if I don't do, switch I it up I only eat somehow. New York State apples. Well, I think potato was oh, closest to turnip, so if I could get a point for round what, one. <laughs> which apple? I bet some hybrid, some GMO thing. I don't know. I like honey crisp. Oh, exactly. Okay. Green That's apples. Number two. Broad generalization. But you know how everybody's like, oh, GMO, no, GMO. Honey crisp. It's GMO. Go it's ahead and GMO. Haven't you had those Halo Clementines? Those have to be GMO'd because they're so perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Shop, you get the first answer on this one. On Halloween during the 18th century, why would women throw apple peels over their shoulders? Jess. Wait. <laughs> to ward off the evil spirits. Okay. Jess. 
Because somebody was following them too closely behind. Because they had too much GMO. <laughs> Tables? <laughs> uh, no idea. I was going to say something about spirits, too. Okay, there are no spirits. It was actually to see if they would land in a pattern resembling initials, indicating the man who would become their husband. This Ooh. sounds like witchcraft. Y'all are crazy wow. sometimes. Like, what? <clears throat> Y'all is in women? uh, 18th century, folks. (laughs) Okay. All right, next up. Tables, you get to start on this. Who brought the Halloween tradition to the United States? Like a person? These questions are so hard. This is the most random thing. From where? I know the answer. What's the answer? You do. Rob yes. Zombie. Incorrect, but close. Chef. Rob Zombie. No, Jess gets the point. It was the Irish, comma, during the potato famine. <laughs> oh, that's where, that's turnips, potatoes, two points for me. Yep. Same thing. No, they were no, carving no, those potatoes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody just ring in with your name. This is, y- y'all don't I have thought that it much was a Halloween person. experience <laughs> here. What was Bram Stoker's original Dracula. name? For Dracula, his vampire novel. <laughs> the Count. Um, his original name? Yes. It's Dracula. Okay, tables. <laughs> Dracula? Okay. Google Ads has come to suck Perfect. your budgets. I, I'm going to give it to Shep. It's Count Wampir. Wamp- that Wampir. was my guess. That does not ring. Okay, this is going to be an absolute <laughs> one for you all here. When is the next time there will be a full moon on Halloween? I need a year. Ooh, I have no idea. I'm just going to go for 2022. Okay, Jess? 2069. 2034. <laughs> okay. And Tables as the winner. What? It's 2039. Tables takes the lead. Two to one to one. When was the last what one? What state produces the most pumpkin? Rapid fire. New York. <clears throat> Keep going. Washington. Keep going. Virginia. Massachusetts. Texas. Washington. Kansas. Utah. Alabama. Alaska. Arizona. Arkansas. California. California. Third largest city in the country is in the state. Yes. Illinois. Yes. Oh. Okay. Wow. (laughs) All right. Jasper Tables, you can win the game with a correct answer here. You'll be the first to three. Who are the guests? Of the Halloween party, according to the lyrics of Monster Mash. Oh my gosh! Dracula and his son. <sighs> Incorrect. That's two out of people. three. Oh, I was going to say Dracula and his son too. Okay, Jess has two out of three, so we'll count that as a win. It is Wolfman, Dracula, <gasps> and his son. Oh. I didn't even get to the movie trivia. You guys stink so bad at this game. Save it for next week. It's not Halloween next week. It's not Halloween this week either. It's on Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Jess, you take first place. Tables, you have second place. And Shep, you are bringing up the rear. Thank you. No surprise here from our spooky queen. Um, sorry if we didn't hear you ring in, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>